Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Happy Friday morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, and now being simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, uh, Channel 1301 on Spectrum. Uh, good morning, Lieutenant. It's good to see you again. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, Doctor. It's good to see you again. <laughs> still, still trying to firm up some of the tech issues here with some of our guests. Uh, but before we get started, let's get a check of the weather, Lieutenant. You got it. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area, today, mostly cloudy. Scattered thunderstorms with the chance of showers this afternoon. Some thunderstorms may be severe. Highs in the lower 80s. South wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 30%. Tonight, showers likely. Scattered thunderstorms. Some thunderstorms may be severe in the evening. Lows in the lower 60s. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 70%. Saturday, mostly cloudy with scattered showers in the morning, then mostly sunny in the afternoon. Highs in the lower 70s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 30%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Good morning. Uh, we've got a couple different things lined up for today's program, but I do want to start with some newsworthy items. I don't think we can start the program without at least acknowledging uh, significant national news um, out of Minneapolis. Uh, everybody's been following the, the story this week about the in-custody death of George Floyd. Uh, we don't have a, a lot of airtime today. I'm not going to get into uh, a ton of details. We may do that at a, at a future episode. I think, you know, any, anyone of conscious, conscience is, uh, can agree that George Floyd uh, should not have died in, in the hands of uh, the Minneapolis Police Department. There's a lot of information, conflicting information, and Minneapolis is in the third day of large-scale disturbances and riots. But, um, you know, it's ugly, complicated story, uh, and we're following it. And, um, you know, there'll be more on that in, in the days and weeks to come. Uh, closer to home, today is graduation day for Berkshire Community College. It will be a virtual graduation. Uh, it's actually being conducted via PCTV, so our partners here are going to be enabling that. And uh, we've got some PPD personnel who uh, will be donning caps and gowns and receiving their associate's degree today. So congratulations to our personnel in particular and all of the graduates from Berkshire Community College. Go Falcons. Uh, it's been a busy week. Um, we we had another uh, large-scale, uh, in our technical terms, critical incident earlier this week on Tuesday. Uh, I think in the words of the media, or our media partners, it was a protracted siege. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, basically, it was a, a domestic incident, domestic disturbance, family incident that, uh, you know, ended up with a subject making threats and deciding to go barricade. And then we worked the, the resources and teams that we have available, uh, that we've, we've spent time building and investing in to do what we could do to bring out the most successful resolution for everybody. Lieutenant Traversa was out there with me um, in his capacity as a previous commander of the special response team. And uh, one of our later guests was also out there with us. We'll get into that a little bit. And then just in case um, we don't get to it at the end, I want to make sure, in keeping with my promise, that uh, we'll give a little bit of uh, time and a, a shout-out to the Pittsfield Department of Cultural Development and all the good work they do and are continuing to do in a virtual environment to keep people engaged and busy um, with all of our local venues. There's a great story in this morning's Eagle about the efforts that are uh, underway at Barrington Stage Company to reconfigure their main stage so that they can return to some socially distant, socially responsible programming in August. And, um, you know, we look forward to that. So without further ado, I think it's time for the weekly public 
health update with Dr. Alan Kohlberg. Doctor, you have been busy with uh, trying to provide guidance to some of our local businesses as they're navigating phase one. What should our guests, our listeners and viewers know? Okay, so uh, today is the first day of uh, testing uh, to be done by CVS Pharmacy on West Street. Uh, that's going to be done. We're still um, a little short on some of the specifics, but they are going to be uh, testing people who want to be tested, who they will be signing up online, and they will come and fill out a form and get a swab, swab themselves in the nose, <clears throat> and then drop off the swab in a kit at a in a depository box at a drive through location at CVS. Uh, I think this is a good thing uh, because it will give us a better idea of the prevalence of positive tests in our community. Uh, we're working with CVS to try to get an actual number of people uh, who are being tested from Pittsfield, and uh, we'd like to furthermore map out where they live so that we can get a better idea of the geographic distribution of positive tests. But anything that gives us more information is a good thing, and we're looking forward to uh, getting some information that can be helpful, especially information that can better inform how we're going to proceed with reopening the city and the county. Uh, other, other issues that have come up this week, um, we are still waiting to um, get information about camps, uh, uh, as far as recreational camps as well as residential camps, uh, the information from the state has not been has not been released at this point. Uh, the state, furthermore, did um, clarify, <coughs> excuse me, um, what they um, meant, uh, w w how they define an, an unconfined outdoor space, which would permit people to congregate in an area um, uh, of more than 10 people, as long, again, as long as they're socially distancing and wearing masks. An outdoor space, which might be used for any number of different types of congregations, is, conf is defined as a, a space without walls and without a roof. So you cannot congregate under a tent, which obviously has a roof. Um, <clears throat> tracks at, um, for instance, like at Taconic High School, Tracks are open as long as the school grounds are open, so people can utilize that for exercise. Tag sales, which are obviously very uh, popular this time of year, uh, are still not allowed to operate as, um, as they typically do. It is still being confined to online <coughs> sales or curbside service, which is, I'm not sure how you can do a tag sale without people kind of rummaging around uh, piles of stuff but uh, so I uh, when I looked in the paper this morning I didn't see any ads for tag sales so I'm guessing that tag sales won't be uh, really fair game until the normal rules of uh, engagement if you will uh, for tag sales are allowed to uh, are allowed to happen uh, uh, information was also uh, re released today regarding how buildings that have uh, lied uh, lied fallow now for some months um, would have to uh, ensure the health of the of the uh, water supply that services that building so for instance uh, and the and the reason for that is that if you let's say you have a building that has been closed because the business has been closed and you have an air conditioning unit and um, or you have a, a, a rooftop water supply, any, any repository of water in that building, if it's allowed to sit around without being used, can harbor germs and uh, germs that can harm people. So uh, building, buildings uh, and through our building commissioner uh, are going to be uh, given guidance as to how they can, uh, how they'd have to flush the system and ensure that the water that is being used in those buildings is safe uh, to be around human beings. And I think that is all I have. Um, oh, yes, one more thing. Um, we have spoken with uh, the Pittsfield Housing Authority and 
uh, Sharon LaBarnes, who runs the Pittsfield Housing Authority, and she has made available, is making available information that she has really gotten her act together as far as ensuring that uh, the residents in the in the uh, apartments that uh, the Pittsfield Housing Authority controls, uh, that they're given appropriate information uh, and kept safe, and she's going to be making available documents that she has developed to other housing authorities in the county, North and South County, both. That's awesome. Yep. So <clears throat> we had a, an <clears throat> internal inquiry, I think it was the end of last week, probably going into the weekend from one of my staff about tag sales. And I was like, listen, and I'm, I'm not the public health guy, but I'm looking at the retail guidance. Unless you can figure out how to do curbside delivery at your tag sale, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, um, I mean, talk, you know, we're trying to uh, have people avoid high-touch areas. Areas. And if there's ever a definition of a high-touch area, it's a tag sale. Post everything online. Tell them you'll bring it out. It, yeah. It basically comes down to that, right? I it, mean, it, essentially you'd be marketplace doing like eBay, or right? Craigslist or whatever. Yeah. And if, the, you want, if you want to do that, more power to you. The other, on the uh, <clears throat> on the water systems, so I, I had... I had forwarded through the county coordinating group when I saw that for the first time, and I, I hadn't thought about it. We, we didn't, PD didn't shut down. Second Street didn't shut down. And so I first saw that when it came out through county public health. Yeah. And then um, the day after it came out through county public health, Mass DEP actually developed some guidance that we pushed out through um, the coordinating center last night that was much more concise. And I, never, I didn't think about it, but when water lays dormant, whatever it, you know the chlorine or whatever disinfectant is in it dissipates right so it's it's essentially stagnant water within the water system right um, which you know ew yuck <laughs> right well, yeah and uh, the, the 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 main disease that uh that the, the, the main danger uh of stagnant water sitting around is a legionnaire's disease which can cause a very severe type of pneumonia um yeah, in fact, the first uh, known cluster of Legionnaires, I think, occurred in Philadelphia at an American Legion convention or Veterans of Foreign Wars convention, and, and a, a number of um, f uh, veterans were, inf were uh, affected by uh, stagnant water in an air conditioning unit. In any event, um, I just want uh, one last thing I would like to just reiterate, uh, as I will every week that I'm on this show, that um, the compliance adherence with people wearing masks in the community I have found is excellent and thank you all for uh, the, to all the citizens of Pittsfield and surrounding areas who have uh, remained compliant with that with that order for wearing masks 99.9% .9 of people out there are wearing masks in public spaces and uh, trying to maintain social distancing so people I think are, are generally uh, coming together uh, in a, unif in a uh, unitary cause here uh, to um, try to keep the spread of the disease down. That's great. Doctor, before we let you go, I just have to you know, ask you to, to hammer the point and reiterate, can you um, hit the key pillars for our reopening guidelines again? Key pillars. Uh, you know, I don't <laughs> have them uh, on the t uh, my head, but it's, it's go there's going to be certain metrics um, in terms of Number of the percentage of positive cases going down, um, ICU admissions, hospitalizations. Um, but to keep it simple, so we're talking about even as we go through this reopening, we're talking yep. about maintaining social distancing, okay, personal hygiene, right, disinfecting in the, the workplace, the pillars, the pillars of mitigation, yeah, yeah. social distancing, wearing masks, sanitization, sure. cleaning uh, commonly touched areas. And, and lastly, uh, what will also assist in that, the, f the, fourth, uh, per, uh, the fourth pillar of that effort is testing. And uh, that's going to, as I mentioned initially, that's going to be uh, upped by the, uh, uh, now the uh, uh, inaugural, inaugural testing at CVS. So starting, have, starting today. We have two special units who are looking to get back to some type of semblance of training. And uh, Captain Kirchner and I required both of them to submit a uh, health and safety plan for training to hit those four pillars. So if you can hit those four pillars, we can talk about training. Really, so. it comes down to the fundamentals, you know, it's like pitching, hitting, throwing, running. Right. Uh, the four pillars of mitigation are sanitization, masks, yeah. 
distancing and testing. We have uh, we have technical assistance joining us in studio because we think in <laughs> a, any minute now, any second now, that phone's going to ring, Lieutenant, and we're going to have our, our first telephonic guest call in. So, Doctor, thank you again. It's always good to see you. It's good to see you, too, um, Lieutenant. We're, we're not going to talk this morning at 10, so uh, I hope you get to enjoy some of this weekend. Uh, I plan to. Good. Thank you. Right. Stay, <laughs> stay healthy, Doctor. It's good to see you. Good we'll to see you. Talk both. next week. Thank you. All right, Lieutenant, how are we doing here? I'm uh, waiting with bated breath for our first call. So, oh. so I'm here. I, I don't know if you guys can hear we, me. We can hear you, Chris. <laughs> so, Chris, I want to thank you very, very much, one, for agreeing to do this, and two, for be bearing with us and being patient as we adapt to this new technology. Um, you are actually the first guest that we have spoken with via phone. Uh, when we when we made the move over to televise, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna do it all via Skype." It's like, you know, a lot of people don't know how to use Skype, so. Um, so yeah, got, a lot of us are, are figuring out all that stuff as we go, right? Yeah, absolutely. So again, thank you, and I I learned my lesson last week, so I'm gonna begin with what I have decided is the most important question for any guest we have during this public health crisis, and that is, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing just fine. Um, I'm doing just fine. Thank you for asking. <laughs> you uh, managing to maintain some sense of order and and structure as we go through this yeah i mean it was a lot of um like figuring out new ways to do things for sure but um i think i think we got a good schedule and you know i think structure is important for everyone um and yeah i think i think i think we're getting through it you managing to take care of your self-care Absolutely. All right. Well, that's the most important thing for anybody who's working through um, through this emergency. So for our listeners, and it won't be for our viewers, but for our listeners, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell our, our audience who you are and who you represent and what you do. Okay. So my name is Chris Haley, and I am a licensed independent clinical social worker, and I currently work for the Department of Mental Health. I am the Berkshire Area Site Director. Um, and so we oversee all of the state-funded uh, mental health programs in Berkshire County. That seems and we like provide, a, provide services for adults and children and families. That seems like a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people. Um, I can speak best about the adult services, um, but um, for adult services, I mean, we support um, close to 400 um, individuals and families uh, in Berkshire County. So when, uh, when the emergency was declared, when the pandemic hit, how did your daily work and, and the work of the um, clinicians that you work with, how did that change? Well, so, you know, the department, our department um, provides case management services only. So there's kind of like two tiers to that question because the other services that we provide in the community are um, contracted through a vendor. And the vendor that we have a contract with is the Brain Center. Um, and so, you know, with our case management team, um, there are there are five adult case managers and two um, case managers for the kids services. Um, and so our office is pretty small. And what we had to do was staff our office um, at a much uh, lower rate. So, so we you know, we had to change over from being in the office every day to being in the office some days and teleworking the other days. Um, so, and we were not initially, like when um, the epidemic started, uh, we were not able to transport people. We were not able to really have the face-to-face -face contact. Um, 
and a lot of that was due to um, not having access to any personal protective equipment. Um, we were probably one of the, I don't know if we were last, but we were, you know, we were at the bottom because obviously, you know, hospitals and, you know, medical services and, you know, you guys would be, you know, prioritized, which makes sense, you know. So, so that's how, that's how we were doing things at DMH. Um, I can say that the change seemed to increase our ability to support people. Um, like we, telephonically, you know, we've been able to have a lot more contact with people, um, you know, and I don't know if that's because, you know, we're not driving around and, you know, helping people, you know, at, you know, service agencies and different things like that. It's everything that we're supporting people with is pretty much uh, telephonic. Um, so, um, so at the department, though, it's been, you know, it's been pretty much business as usual. We have, we have still been, you know, processing and accepting uh, new um, people um, to provide services to. We've been, um, you know, admitting people to our um, state uh, facilities and discharging people from those facilities into our community programs and services. Um, and the only thing that maybe has slowed up that process is just, you know, some of those folks are court involved and, you know, so the court is operating a little differently right now. Um, and, uh, you know, some folks have actually um, contracted uh, the COVID. So, um, you know, we've had to wait for them um, to clear the virus. So, and then in terms of our community services, so um, at the Green Center, they support, um, we support 48 individuals, adult individuals in um, group living environments or residential programs. And um, we support uh, about 275 people or so um, in, in the, who live in the community in their own apartments or with their families. Um, so in the residential programs, um, we've had to pretty much um, quarantine the folks living in those programs, have them stay in. Um, and the staff that work in those programs are, you know, pretty much, um, you know, do, doing, you know, doing things for them, i.e. getting them things they need from the store, um, you know, doing all the grocery shopping, preparing all the meals, um, which is a little different from how things are normally done. Um, but so far, we have been very lucky. Um, we haven't had any knock-on-wood outbreaks in any of our um, programs. That's, so, <clears throat> that's great. Yeah, yeah, so that's so, been really good. What we're doing has been working. So I want to ask you a couple of follow-up questions. First is relative to the PPE, and, and most importantly, is has that stabilized? Are you all set now? Yeah, so, so our programs, like the Brain Center um, was able to acquire um, personal protective equipment um, for all of the staff and the residents even in their in their program um, and we we have been slowly but surely um, getting getting stuff um, you know we, we it's it slow to come in I think just because it's just not available some of the stuff um, so we should we should connect offline because as a state agency um, you, sh you should be in direct line to be receiving stuff from either MEMA or the regional HMCC, the Health and Medical Coordinating Center, and I can put you in touch with them. And if they can't help you right away, uh, we have, we have uh, obtained stuff at Second Street in the Coordinating Center, and we can stopgap you until uh, the Commonwealth can get you into their procurement process. Oh, that would be awesome. So. You know, because we, we are all, like, you know, um, really wanting to get back and see, you know, the people that we 
support and have a face-to-face contact. And we are able to do that, like, now that the weather's getting nicer. Right. You know, um, we can, you know, see people and social distance. And we do have, we do have masks. We got a, a huge supply of masks. Um, uh, but we haven't been able to get gloves, hand sanitizer. I think the department gave us, like, six bottles of hand sanitizer. We and we def- buy our own. You know? We can <laughs> definitely help you with hand sanitizer. That that I know without a doubt. And, um, yeah, so when when I get out of the studio, whether I end up at my office at 39 Allen or over at the coordinating center, I'll send you our ordering instructions, and our staff will uh, will put you in touch with I think, oh, that would be awesome. I think for your office, it would be our, our direct MEMA connection, but we'll take care of that today. Thanks. Um, and then the second follow-up question I wanted to ask you, you talked about increasing contacts due to like, telephonic or telemedicine. Um, and we've and with all of the guests that we've talked to from public health and from uh, our mental health, mental health providers, that seems to be the thing, increased opportunity for contacts due to technology. Have you seen the type of concerns or anxieties or complaints change with your clients as a result of COVID-19? Um, I don't know. Um, I think, I think that, I think that people that we support have been anxious. Um, I think that, I think that people, some people have regressed a little bit. So, so people who had some good, like, recovery, um, you know, have, have just been, and I think it goes back to um, just that lack of structure and routine because, you know, our, our programs that we have to support people um, either through employment or, um, you know, educational services and that has all been kind of closed off and shut down. And I think our services have been really lacking in um, technology. Um, And so we've been trying to sort of play catch up. Um, You know, for example, like all of our case managers um, just got, you know, iPhones. Um, Prior to that, they didn't have them. We are now trying to get iPads and um, tablets and things for the people that we support so that we can, you know, FaceTime with them and, and have more contact. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question. I mean, it, I guess it does. It, it's, just, it's just all different, you know? It's definitely different. <laughs> so we, we have a couple minutes before we have to do a station identification break and... Uh, Actually, I think our next caller is, is standing by to call in. If you had one overarching message you would want our audience to know uh, in this time about the work that you do and the clients you support and what people should be keeping in mind, what would that be? Um, I just, I just am, I am just so grateful for um, all of the staff that we have at DMH and also at the Green Center. Um, I just think that we have all really pulled together um, in this crisis and have really been able to, you know, do the best that we can to maintain, um, you know, the safety and the stability for the people who we support who are, you know, people who struggle with the most um, severe uh, mental illnesses. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for your patience with our technical difficulties and calling in to speak with us this morning. I hope that you stay healthy and well. I hope that you have a great weekend. And I'm actually looking forward to when we can see each other face-to-face and get back to some conversations with you and John and the other members of the county task force about some things we can do to make improvements and and move forward as we Yes, I'm going to actually be sending out a WebEx uh, for that. once I get to it. So expect to see that. Okay. All right. right, Well, well, thank you again. Thanks. Anytime. Uh, You guys are great. All right. Be well. You too. Bye-bye. All right, Lieutenant, let's take a station break. And then we'll introduce the other Lieutenant. Sounds good. And uh, let's see. I I was handed a note here. Nice. 
we're good. Good, good. We good to transfer over? I, I think we're good to transfer over. Okay. I think WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, mostly cloudy. Scattered thunderstorms with a chance of showers this afternoon. Some thunderstorms may be severe. Highs in the lower 80s. South wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 30%. Tonight, showers likely. Scattered thunderstorms. Some thunderstorms may be severe in the evening. Lows in the lower 60s. Southwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 70%. Saturday, mostly cloudy with scattered showers in the morning, then mostly sunny in the afternoon. Highs in the lower 70s. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of rain 30%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Are we back? We are. We are back. So in the uh, second half, we have another guest calling in. I'm pretty sure if the email I got from uh, Richard Collins last night is correct, that our guest is Dr. Smothers. And Dr. Smothers, if that was you who called and spoke to Sean, we're ready. The lieutenant's standing by. And then after we speak with Dr. Smothers, we have another guest joining us in studio this morning. If you're watching on PCTV, you can see him over there. Uh, he's sitting quietly waiting for his debut. We'll be able to introduce him shortly. Lieutenant James Roccabruna, newly promoted Lieutenant James Roccabruna. Um, so the lieutenant is making his PCTV WTBR debut. He's, I can tell he's really looking forward to it. <laughs> um, and as we're waiting to see if this tech call or the switchover works, I just... Um, I don't know if anybody um, here was was aware. I I was aware because of my connection in the community with both Berkshire United Way and the Berkshire Taconic Community Foundation. But last night, PCTV and WTBR held a community helpathon. Um, it was a fundraiser for the Berkshire County Emergency COVID nineteen Fund, uh, which is co-sponsored by the Berkshire United Way, the Berkshire Taconic Community Foundation, the Northern Berkshire United Way, and the Williamstown Community Chest, those latter two organizations I did not give credit to in my recorded remarks. Um, but they did two hours, simulcast, uh, you know, aired on WTBR, simulcast on PCTV, also simulcast on the other community access television channels in Berkshire County, uh, some great local entertainment, uh, stories of testimony from service providers that are receiving the benefit of some of the generous fundraising that has been done by that emergency fund and the funds that have been distributed. They've uh, managed to distribute emergency grants to nearly 80 local nonprofit organizations or municipal organizations that really allowed us to pivot quickly. Uh, and they couldn't have done that without the generous support of our incredibly generous Berkshire County community, uh, which we have spoken about many, many times uh, on this program. So I just wanted to make sure people were aware of that. If you didn't get to see it, I'm sure it will re-air. I'm sure they recorded it and will re-air it. And uh, if you're interested, if you go to the Berkshire United Way's website, uh, there's instructions on how to support the emergency fund there. All right. Doesn't look like we have a caller. I, yeah, I think until we get a okay. caller, so, we're gonna we're gonna have to talk to. All right. So, Doctor Smothers, if you're listening, we're ready whenever you call. Um, we will pivot and improvise and adapt and overcome. If the caller who called and spoke to Sean is not Doctor Smothers, I apologize, um, but we'll talk to you too because we're interested in what all of our community partners are doing um, as this pandemic continues. So, 
we're used to improvising and adapting. We, we all played well together on Tuesday afternoon. So we'll just go to Lieutenant Rocabruna. Sounds like a plan. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. Get a little bit closer to your mic, please. Good there morning. You, there you go. Did you work last night? I did. And then Lieutenant Traversa told you, he's senior to you, so he gets to tell you what to do. So he told you, you need to go home and go to bed. You have to come out here and hang out with us. He did. I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of an appeal. He didn't, he didn't order me. It he, was. He voluntold you. Yes. He did mention <laughs> that it was at your request. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Lieutenant Rockabruna. Did I lose my mic? You're good. Lieutenant Rockabruna, introduce yourself to the viewers and guests. So, my name is, is Jim Rockabruna. Um, I mean, what would you like to know? I, I grew up here in Pittsfield, oh. went to Pittsfield schools. We're going to put you on pause for a second here, Rock. Do we have our caller? Awesome. Sorry, Rock. Not a problem. When the, that's, that's, that's what we do, right? When the public calls, we pivot. So we, we'll take the last part of the show for you. Not sure what we have, but uh, caller, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello, this is Stephanie Eternetto, and I am from NAMI Berkshire County. Hi, Stephanie. I just want to um, say you had mentioned the um, Berkshire United Way and the Taconic Foundation. They had supported us um, to develop a warm line. Um, we'd like to get that number out. Oh, it's 413-445-1136. And our number is, it's a non-crisis number. It's a number when people are feeling isolated, alone. Uh, many people have lost their jobs. Uh, our older population is a little displaced right now. And if they'd like to have somebody to talk to about what's going on, we're there for that purpose. Well, that's awesome. Can you repeat the number for us again? It's 413-445-1136. Great. So, also, um, NAMI Berkshire County has some masks available, and they can call that warm line number. We even have some extra large masks because I know it's challenging for somebody who's bigger to try to fit those masks on that sometimes are not one size fit all. Um, so they could call the warm line and let me know that they need a mask, and we would make every effort to um, set up a place where they could pick it up um, amid the COVID virus in a safe uh, format for them. Great. Those are two great pieces of information, and we appreciate you sharing them with us. So we appreciate you joining us this morning. This was a, a, a little bit of a surprise, but we like surprises. So, um, Well, we work closely with Richard Collins. He has been on the board for NAMI in the past. And um, NAMI Berkshire County also had done the crisis intervention training with uh, police officers throughout Berkshire County for many years. Absolutely. So um, we appreciate the fact that mental health is really being recognized as, as such an epidemic, and particularly um, with the COVID happening. Um, I've read that there's been an increase in the number of people that are getting anxiety and depression medication. It's up, I think, by 34%. Um, in one respect, that's good because people are seeing their doctor and letting them know um, but NAMI Berkshire County also recognizes that one in five people is affected with mental illness. And um, we're there for people. We're there for families. We offer classes online now and a support group that's online via Zoom um, so that families who have a member in their family who have mental illness and are struggling with that can call us for support. Also, all outstanding information. So. I know that the three of us who are in studio this morning are, are well familiar with NAMI and NAMI Berkshire County, particularly because of the crisis intervention team training uh, and the longstanding relationship, not only with the Pittsfield Police Department, but with law enforcement throughout Berkshire County. But for, exactly. listeners, or, but for listeners or viewers who maybe aren't so familiar, uh, can you just give a, you know, you, you kind of gave an overview of services, but can you give a little bit of a background on NAMI? Um, you know, what is NAMI? So NAMI NAMI Berkshire County has been going now 35 years. Um, it's a grassroots effort, and it supports families who find a family member within themselves struggling with mental illness. Um, I will share that I've just had somebody in my family in the last 10 years diagnosed with schizophrenia and never, never saw it coming. And I originally called NAMI 
for support, and and that's how I became involved with NAMI. That's that's a great um, a great differentiation about NAMI as opposed to some of the other providers that we often speak to or work with. And it's one of the things about the crisis intervention training that I found the most valuable um, when we we helped implement CIT many years ago uh, is those stories from family members. Um, I think for our officers who participate in CIT, that that really strikes home and it really brings it close to, you know, close to the heart when you realize that you know, this could be your family member that's in crisis. Or this could be someone you love. And, um, you know, we're really there to try to get them treatment. And the stigma that's attached. So when it happened to me, it's like you don't want to tell your friends. You don't want to tell uh, close family. So you don't know who to call at first. Um, so we're, we're glad that the community is, is recognizing that mental illness can happen within any family. And people are more open to really talking about it now. Absolutely. So when the when the virus hit, when the pandemic hit, how did operations and work change for NAMI? So first of all, we never even had a cell phone. <laughs> so we couldn't go in our office. Um, our office is actually located with Chris Haley okay. through the Department of Mental Health. So we had to figure out a way to purchase a cell phone to get that cell phone out to the public. Um, to change the way we do things via Facebook. Um, we're updating our website, which we realize has been outdated. Um, and we're reaching out to people more um, just with, with phone, calling people through flyers and that type of thing. So we just had Chris on the air, and she indicated that maybe because of improved technology and less travel that they had actually seen an increase in client contact. Uh, was that similar for you? Well, it's interesting because the lines got quiet for a while um, because I think people were in this um, just isolated mode and not sure how to handle this um, problem. But on the warm line, we are getting a call at least every other day of somebody who's struggling. We're getting calls from people um, who are homeless because they don't want to go to a shelter because they're afraid of the COVID virus and, and getting it there. Um, so we're able to reach out and offer some resources that we're aware of. Well, I just on that topic, I want to say that from the outset of this, the the local issue of homelessness and the vulnerability of that population because of COVID has been front and center of the planning for the city's command and general staff. And we've been working very closely with ServiceNet, um, pr- pushed a lot of PPE to ServiceNet when they stood up the emergency shelter at St. Joe. And if you're talking to clients who are homeless and they have that concern, assure them that ServiceNet has taken every possible precaution for the safety of people in the shelter, including isolating people who may present with symptoms um, separately within the shelter. And they shouldn't they shouldn't let that anxiety keep them from assistance. That's wonderful. Great. Great to hear. Great to hear. So if you had one overarching message that you would like our listeners and viewers to know about NAMI and the services you continue to provide and what people should keep top of mind as we continue through this pandemic, what would that be? That any family can be affected with mental illness um, and that the warm line is available at 413-445-1136 for family members or a person struggling with mental illness to call to get some resources and just talk to someone. That's great. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I know that a lot of the work that we've been work, looking at uh, in the last several months was put on hold when the emergency was declared. But I know that in talking with Richard that we've got some you know, interesting plans in, in place to bring back and continue CIT training when we get back to some type of new paradigm. So I look forward to my trainers and I working with you to make that a reality as we go into the next year. That's fabulous because we've just started working with Behavioral Health Network out of Springfield to really get them to work with NAMI and come to Berkshire County so officers and emergency staff will not have Springfield to get training that they need. Yeah, I think that we're going to be successful in, if not a permanent facility, at least establishing a foothold so we have a, the ability to do some training here locally. And that's going to be a huge huge energy, time, and uh, resource saver for all of us. Very excited to hear that. And thank you for giving me 
time on the on the call today, and we really appreciate everything the police officers and EMTs and everyone in healthcare is doing for us right now. And we appreciate the support you provide for us because, you know, when we don't have to take somebody in custody who's in crisis, that's better for everybody involved. Thank you. So stay well, have a good day. stay healthy, have a good day, and a great weekend. Bye bye. Bye. Nice job, Lieutenant. I, I, I think it was all day. I didn't do anything. <laughs> that went very well. Um, so for the listeners and viewers at home, just so you know, you, you've heard us talk about this over the last almost year now. Uh, we're police officers. Technology is not always our friend. We struggle to learn new technologies. This has been a challenge for all of us involved in this project, but mostly for Lieutenant Traversa. <laughs> who, Especially. But in the, who in the last several weeks has not only learned how to toggle the switcher to make sure the cameras are working for the television but has now become a master at switching in the board to bring in a skype caller and today with no notice uh with the assistance of pctv and uh dave in particular taking an outside caller on the phone line which i'm afraid to say it may mean that we're no longer going to be able to use the excuse that we don't know how to do that so we'll have to revisit that going <laughs> forward um all right so anyhow Appreciate the patience, Lieutenant. My pleasure. No problem. Sorry for that. Oh, no. Not at all. I'm juggling. So you were introducing yourself. Jim Rockabruna, Lieutenant James Rockabruna, newly promoted commander of Squad C, the midnight to 8 a.m. shift. When we say newly promoted, how newly promoted? Sunday. I've had actually two working shifts as a lieutenant. <laughs> two work days. So far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're not going to have a chance to do like a full empro employee profile. So before we kind of talk about your work and maybe we'll talk finish up by talking about Tuesday, just tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit about yourself. Sure. Like I started to say earlier, I, I grew up in Pittsfield, um, graduated from PHS, went to Westfield State College. Um, I've been on the police department since 1994. Um, Married to Jennifer, her maiden name is Linda Berry. She's a teacher over at Herberg. We have two kids. Joey is 13, Jackie's 14. Um, they go to school here in Pittsfield. Jackie's at PHS, Joey's at Herberg. Um, you know, the pandemic's kind of slowing everything down, but uh, things are pretty good. What, what would you like to know, Chief? So, because I'm not going to have a chance to ask it at the end of the show, because we're going to get tied up with work stuff real quick. When you're not working, what do you do for fun? Um, well, right now. What are we interrupting today? <laughs> right now, we're interrupting you I am supposed to be on a, a mountain bike ride right now. That was my excuse when Lieutenant Traversa first called. Like, I've got plans, but those were scrapped. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. We'll go. It's supposed to rain this afternoon, so we won't get out this afternoon. But, um. Um, just me personally, this time of year, um, biking, whether on the road or in the woods. Sure. Winter time, it's it's skiing, sometimes cross country, sometimes downhill, but mostly I just chase my kids around. It, uh, the reason I ask this is, you know, I I like to I like to cycle. I am not a good cyclist. I like to cycle, but I I just do it because I want to get some exercise. There are two members of the police department that I have ridden with. Uh, back when I thought this was something I might do regularly. Captain Trapani is one. He was my partner when I was on the bike patrol. He tried to kill me by stump, <laughs> by, by stump jumping a log in Springside Park. And Lieutenant Rockabruna is the other. And he tried to kill me. And I don't know if he remembers this, but he invited me to go for a ride with him up in the trails behind Berkshire Community College. And I turned a corner and there was quite literally a cliff in front of me. I've never braked a bike so fast in my life. He went over it like it was just a speed bump i could only imagine going over that thing and breaking my neck i don't think i've done a trail ride since that was my last single track experience you scared it right out of was me it? i do i do vaguely remember that <laughs> scared it right out of me yeah. well, it's a lot of fun maybe you should you should take it up a little bit <laughs> since you promoted both of them chief i think you've forgiven them by now oh i, I don't bear them any ill will they just showed me my limitations forget that um I, you know, know what you can do, know what you can't do. So, Rock, you've had a very varied career. Uh, we worked together as patrol officers uh, when I came on, because you're senior to me. 
and then uh, we, we ran on the team together for a number of years. But you've done a bunch of stuff. It all came up actually when we were speaking last week. So just talk about the progression of your career, you know, kind of chronologically. Sure. I mean, of course, everybody starts out at the academy, um, then straight into patrol where I was on the midnight shift, basically because that's where they told me to go. Um, although it worked out pretty good. I liked the schedule. It gives you your days free as long as you can get by on, um, you know, a varied sleep pattern. Um, so I did patrol for, I think, my first six years. And during that six years, though, I got into teaching D.A.R.E. Um, I got onto the special response team with yourself. Got to do a bunch of different things. Um, and those are two, you know, like vastly different things from going to the this elementary schools and, and chatting with the kids and, you know, helping them make good decisions to on the other end, the special response team dealing with, you know, real crisis situations. Um, so I've really liked that, you know, the, you know, the, the difference there. Um, I got into the, I was a school resource officer at PHS in the early 2000s, I think 2000 to 2003. Um, then detec detective bureau. Then I made sergeant 12 years ago. And two nights ago, I started as a lieutenant. You, you made sergeant 12 years ago? Yeah, I took over for now Lieutenant Bradford. I took his spot when he was promoted. So you would have been one of the first supervisors I made after I got, after I got promoted. Yes, you, you definitely promoted me. Yeah. So in that, in that first group of command moves that came, right, when, when I brought a retired Captain Mullen upstairs, that created a ripple effect. Wow. So you, you've been a boss as, as long as I've been making bosses. That's cool. Um, it's, it's been a good run so far. So it has far, been a good so, run. So far, so good. Two nights, uh, two nights of being a lieutenant. Did, did, you, uh, did you do all your sergeant time on midnights? No, um, six years on second shift. The only reason I went back to midnights, I went to midnights kicking and screaming. It was then Sergeant Decker bumped me from second shift, which I was perfectly happy with, to midnights. I did not want to go back. I didn't think it would work out. Um, but within two weeks, you know, my kids' schedules, they were just getting into, like, playing basketball at the club, um, Baseball and swimming and soccer and all their activities was turning into more of a big deal. They, you know, they were probably 10 years old at the time. No, even younger than that. Um, so this, you know, being on midnight, it uh, you know, allowed me to make every game, every practice, everything. Where when I was on Second Street, or excuse me, Second, second Shift, shift, second shift um, it was a struggle to make, you know, some games, some practices. So what are you looking forward to most as a newly promoted commander? What am I looking forward to most? Besides telling people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. We still, yeah, we still have to ask. I, I've noticed that if you ask them what to do, they'll, they're all over it. You tell someone what to do and, you know, they'll do it, but. A little malicious obedience, though. Yes. Um, yeah, just being a bigger part of the, the department, um, being in with the command staff, um, you know, you get a little more in the decision making and. You got Make to participate sure. in a couple command calls this week, so yeah, those, that was that was brand new. Those, those those are brand new. They're brand new for all of us. That's been a rough six weeks of restructuring, right? Um, so we got a little bit of time left, and I think that because it, it's fresh and it's timely, and it, you know, all three of us were there. Uh, let's let's kind of wrap up the show by talking about Tuesday. Um, you came in on that, right? Oh yeah, I, I got to bust your chops a little bit. Uh, Eleanor Road. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Lieutenant Rocker Bruno was promoted on Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, his promotion within the Uniform Patrol Division makes him a senior member of the command staff in the department overall. But he's also still a member and an operator on the special response team, and the promotion doesn't carry within the team. Right? Rank and responsibility and authority within the team is different. And uh, we all have been in a position where we had more rank on our collar or our, or our shoulders than we did within the team, uh, or vice versa. And I think all of us were team leaders as officers, where we sometimes had supervisors who were among our members. And so Lieutenant Rockabruna showed up in response to uh, the, the all-hands call-out and immediately started taking direction from Sergeant Murphy. 
and I was standing right there in the CP when that happened, and I, I, I had intense recollection of the first time I interacted with now Chief Rusa of Lee, who was then Officer Rusa, and I was a brand new lieutenant. And he looked at me during some briefings like, you may be a lieutenant, but you're not my insert expletive here, lieutenant. And he stormed <laughs> off in another direction. And I was like, yep, that's the team. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's definitely that's, a Russo line. That's yeah. Jeff. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, so this situation on Tuesday, I was pretty excited about uh, the the way it evolved. right? Because patrol knocked it out of the park. Right. It, it came in. As a domestic disturbance call, um, party had fled their home, uh, been chased out of their home, was calling from in the neighborhood, <clears throat> not a neighborhood where we do a lot of work as a department to begin with, which was commented on um, mm-hmm. by some of the neighbors. Um, but patrol did an outstanding job. The, the commander, Lieutenant Dolly, who has gone through our supervisory roundtable exercises in the last couple of years, he started working his seven critical tasks. He got everything in, uh, contained and under control, got a great perimeter. Took the initiative to utilize plainclothes personnel to tighten up that perimeter, which probably was the decision that facilitated the, the best possible outcome because we had plenty of people. Uh, and then very methodically over the course of some time, we said, okay, you know, patrol, you're doing this. You have some team members. You have enough to do A, B, and C. And they set that up. And then we got to a point. Sergeant Murphy showed up because he's a team leader, team commander. And uh, he looked and said, you know, if it goes to this point, I can do D, C, and F. And so command made a decision. said, okay, we're going to do what we call a rip, a relief in place. That resulted in the call out to the rest of the team. Rock, you came in for that. Uh, then a very methodical switch of personnel. Did you, did you end up? Perimeter. I was on, I, the on perimeter. The rear of the so, house. So, uh, you know, and, you know, Frank doesn't matter, right? There's a job to be done. I've, I've been the guy who carries the fire extinguisher when I show up on a hot call, right? That's, you're not current with your skills. You go where the team leader tells you, right? So uh, got the perimeter swapped out. All the patrol officers, troopers, and plainclothes investigative personnel came off. Team members went out. Um, the immediate action team, which had been in place and was supporting the negotiators, was already there. Tenant Traverse, you showed up fairly early on, right? Yeah. Right after me. We had a good command post. Um, once the whole team showed up, we made a decision that we could move the command post and collapse the perimeter and give some of the neighborhood back to the residents, which you know we, we don't always do that. Sometimes we just keep right. all the territory. Uh, and then we just worked it, right? So uh, once Sergeant Murphy showed up, this is what we're going to do. We're going to load up the rest of the team in the Bearcat, Locally manufactured, they can't. See, oh, they can see you now. You can nod your head now. That's right. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, two things I just want to mention, and I know we only have about two minutes left. One of the aspects of that operation that I think was overshadowed quite a bit. People see, you know, the the tactical operators. They saw a patrol out there. They saw the the trooper cars assisting us, um, but Captain Trapani's team, with the intel and gathering of information which which we operate on that is not something that we always have to that degree on on large scale events like that or operations um it 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 really was very helpful absolutely and it so captain trapani called me while he was en route and we had set up the command post on the um on the north side of that perimeter and he asked where I wanted him to go. And I said, actually, what I need you to do right now is go to the south side of the perimeter and find the witness um, because we need an intel package. We don't know any... A lot of times when we're doing these things, we have familiarity with the party. We know something. We didn't know this party. And uh, so, you know, again, we've we've been operating for how long? More than 20 years. 23 years, I think. (laughs) 23 years, actually. that was one of the smoothest operations I've seen with all of the integration. Uh, And the other piece that wasn't seen uh, is we deployed on that operation with our Brian Center clinician, Richard Collins, right? Richard was in essentially the the IAT location, the action team location, with the reporting party, generating more information, and helping us establish contact with the party. The only successful interaction we had with the subject was – the text messages with the victim 
that Richard was facilitating. Uh, so that was an all-hands effort. We have yep. 10 seconds left. Lieutenant, you know what, Rock? I'm going to do it right now. Congratulations on your promotion. It's the biggest audience I have to congratulate you with. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's well-deserved. I'm happy to have you on the command team. Happy to be here. You've been listening to On Patrol with the PPD with WTBR 89.7 FM. So tune in next week for another new episode. Thank you. Have a great week. <laughs>